the 23rd Psalm is where we will be today and now next Sunday is Mother's Day and so we won't do the 23rd Psalm but then the following Sunday we will be back in the 23rd Psalm and we're going to begin by reading all of the 23rd Psalm together today but just verse 1 is all that we will deal with Psalm 23 and verse 1 the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23 is one of the most read and most beloved passages of scripture in the Bible. It has been used in untold funeral sermons and an untold number of funeral bulletins and in christian greeting cards it is probably also one of the most memorized passages of scripture psalm 23 because it is so beloved by so many but due to our familiarity with this passage we often overlook the significance of it you do know that familiarity will often lead us to look just on the surface. It's kind of like your home. You're familiar with your home. You're familiar with the way it looks on the inside. You're familiar with the carpet and with the paint and all, and you get used to looking at it, and you don't see the blemishes and the spots and all those things. Well, sometimes we become so familiar with Scripture that we're the same way with it. We just see the surface level. And when we do this to 23rd Psalm, we miss out on an abundance of truth and inspiration. And so over these next several weeks, I hope that I can reacquaint us with this passage and also help us to see more than just the surface of it as we explore the deeper truth found in this passage. I believe that it will mean even more to us than in the past. We have to remember that David was the shepherd king, and David is the one who wrote the 23rd Psalm. And so, so David is <clears throat> writing from his experience of being a shepherd boy and working with sheep. And, and David is using his time on the hillside with the sheep to help us to understand his relationship to God and our relationship to God. And we'll begin in verse 1 by examining David's description of his shepherd. How does he describe his shepherd? He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I texted y'all earlier and asked, did the capital L-O-R-D have any significance to it? And to look it up and, and to examine it, because normally we're used to seeing Lord either in all letters, small letters, L-O-R-D, or with a capital L-O-R-D, but this one, all four letters are capitalized. And there's a reason for that. It carries much more significance than either one of the other words that I have mentioned. Uh, and this, just this one word, the, the Lord, 
helps David to describe who his shepherd is and will help us to understand who our shepherd is also. So, so I, I want to kind of share the meaning of the Lord and there are three attributes that it explains about God when we do this. Number one, Elohim. That is not a word that we use on a regular basis. We don't go around talking about Elohim. We don't even really see it in Scripture that much. But Elohim is the, the name for God that was used in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 when God began the world. When God spoke the world into existence, it, it was Elohim, according to the Hebrew, that did this. Now, this means the strong one. David says, my shepherd is the strong one. My shepherd is the one who has all strength. And this leads us back to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, where that God spoke the world into existence from nothing. That which we know today had never existed. That which we get to understand today had never been before. But God, with all of his great power, caused all of it to come to be and caused all of it to come into place and caused all of it to exist. And, and David, the shepherd, the, the shepherd boy, is remembering that this is the same one who his shepherd is, the one who is the strong one, Elohim. But, but this word Lord also refers to Jehovah, which is the name that the Hebrews use for God. It's the most holy of names. They don't even actually say the, the name Jehovah because it is so holy to them. And Jehovah means the self-existent one. God exists just because he's God. God does not need anything or anyone for him to exist. And this also refers back to the Old Testament where he, he told Moses to say, I am that I am. That this this term Jehovah refers to God being the great I am. And that is true no matter what day of the week or what day of the month or what year it may be. God always is the I am. He was the I am during David's days on the hillside with the sheep and he is the great I am. Today while we're gathered here in this sanctuary. He is the great I am, the self-existent one. But, but the word Lord also carries with it the, the understanding of the word uh, of the title Adonai. Adonai means master. And David is saying that my shepherd, the, the Lord, my shepherd, is number one, he is strong. He is the agent of creation. And if he can create everything from nothing, he is strong enough to take care of everything that needs to be done. Jehovah, the self-existent one, the I am that I am. And he says, Adonai, my, my master. He understood that the, his shepherd was his master. We, we don't like to talk about slaves and masters in our society. And there's because so much is associated with those two terms in our history. But in scripture, when we talk about slaves and masters, we're talking about the fact that, that God actually was the, the master and David is saying, I am just the slave to him. He is my master. He controls me, who leads me, who guides me, who directs me, who tells me what to do. And so, so I am trusting my master to do exactly what needs to be done for me. So when you study just the word Lord there in verse 1, you're finding that, that David is saying a whole lot that we as English speakers, we just don't understand. We as English speakers,
scriptures, we, we look for long phrases and long sentences to explain something. But in the Hebrew and often in the Greek also, one word can carry so much meaning with it that we just overlook it and don't understand what it is. So, so the, the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, is talking about Elohim, Jehovah, and Adonai. But as we look in verse 1 further, David didn't just describe his shepherd, but, but David talks about his devotion to his shepherd. He said, the Lord. He said, Elohim, Jehovah, Adonai, that the Lord is my shepherd. He is talking about that he is devoted to him. Now, traveling in, in Turkey, we have been privileged to see shepherds and sheep. We've watched them on the hillsides as the shepherd is leading the sheep to and from for, for grazing. I, I've read about shepherd and sheep throughout the years, and, and everything that I read says that the sheep always knows the voice of their shepherd. It was said that during the days of Christ that multiple shepherds would come together at night and bring all of their sheep with them. And all of those sheep would go into the same sheepfold together for the night so they could protect them. Then of the morning when it was time to go back out onto the hillside, each shepherd would take his turn and each shepherd would call his sheep and only his sheep would hear his voice and understand his voice and only those sheep would come to him and follow him out. The sheep who belonged to other shepherds, they did not respond to that shepherd that was not their shepherd. They only responded to the shepherd that actually owned them, provided for them, and took care of them. And so David is saying that the Lord is my shepherd. He is the one that I listen to. He's the one I listen for. The, the, the Lord is my shepherd. That, that is the one that I have entrusted myself to. And by saying he is my shepherd, he is saying that he knows them personally. He, he didn't say, that's somebody else's shepherd. He, he didn't say, it's my friend's shepherd, my neighbor's shepherd. He says, it, 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 he is my shepherd. He knew him personally because that shepherd owns him. And that shepherd is the one who speaks and he listens to that shepherd, not any other shepherd. Not only did, did he know him personally, but he, he trusted him completely. He said, the Lord... The, the strong one, the self-existent one, my master. I, I know him personally. I, I know him by name. I, I know him by character. And I trust him completely. Do you understand how dumb sheep are? Sheep are dumb. They don't know anything. A, a sheep can't get out of its own way. A sheep has no sense of direction. A sheep can wander off and never come back. A sheep not only is dumb, defenseless also. The sheep has no way of fighting an attacker. It has no claws. The teeth is not made for fighting back. And it's just a very, very easygoing animal that just would give up when they were attacked. So the psalmist here is saying that he is my shepherd and I trust him completely because I know that on my own I cannot survive. I can't take of myself i would be there wandering around and not knowing where i was going and not knowing what was going on and so i've got to trust him and through this trust he will take care of me through this trust he will be there for me 
through his trust, and we'll get into this trust more as we go through these verses, of what it meant to actually trust that shepherd and what that shepherd did for them. But trust is so important for that sheep to have in their shepherd because the sheep can do nothing on his own. We think about a dog, and a dog, you know, you can train a dog. Well, some dogs you can train. Some dogs you can't, I guess. But, but a dog you can train to fetch. You can train to come when you call. You can train a dog to do tricks. You can, you can train a dog to, you know, to do whatever. Sheep ain't like that. They're just dumb, defenseless. So w- when we talk about God comparing us to sheep, he's not exactly using a real endearing term for us. He's saying, y'all can't survive on your own. You really need me. You really need my help. So when, when he says that the Lord is my shepherd, he says, I know him personally. I know that shepherd. He says, I'm trusting him completely. On my own, I, I can do nothing. I've got to have a shepherd who can lead me and, and point me to the water and point me to the grass and keep me safe from the bears and keep me safe from, from, from the wild animals and keep me from falling off a cliff and, and to come rescue me if I do fall off of a cliff. So I'm trusting him completely. And, and it also means that he loved him openly. The Lord. The strong one, the self-existent one, the master. He says, I love him. I love him openly. When he says the Lord is my shepherd, he's saying, I can always hear the heart flutter. He, that's the one who is my, I have a good shepherd. He, he is the strong one. He is the self-existent one. He, he is the master. He, he is the one who takes care of me. He's the one I have trusted. And I love him because of all that he has done. He is not ashamed of who his shepherd is. And when he says the Lord is my shepherd, he, he is not saying that he owns the shepherd. He's saying that he belongs to the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he's announcing this to everyone who will listen. This is a proud sheep. Not proud of who he is. Not proud of his abilities. But he is proud to belong in the family of sheep that belong to this great shepherd. And I say amen. I'm glad I'm in the family of sheep that belongs to this same great shepherd. So, so David gives us a description of his shepherd in, the, in that one word, Lord. David shares his devotion to his shepherd when he says that he is my shepherd. But then David shares his discernment of his shepherd when he says, I shall not want. He, he has discerned who his shepherd is. He's discerned what it means. He, he says that I shall not want because of him. Now, understand, this does not mean that God's people will never go without or never face hardships. That's, that's not what this is teaching. Because we know if we study the Old Testament prophets, they suffered, did they not? We studied the... the the 12 disciples of Christ. Well, we know that Judas went out and hung himself, but we know that according to church history, 
10 out of the other 11 were martyred. They, they did not die a pleasant death. They believed that only John lived to, to die a natural death. And we know that John went through all kind of issues in his lifetime because of his love for the Savior and because of what he did for him and with him. So when the psalmist here says, I shall not want, he is not saying there won't be a day that I'll go without food. He's not saying there won't be a day that I do without this or that. He, he is no way saying that life is simple and easy and pleasant just because he belongs to this shepherd. So what is it that he is saying when he says, I shall not want? I believe he's saying, I shall not want for his relationship. He is my shepherd. He, he will always be my shepherd. This is my shepherd. And this relationship, even if I don't have green grass, the relationship hasn't changed. Even if, if I don't have good, clear water to drink, this relationship has not changed. Even if a bear, a wild animal comes to attack me, this relationship has not changed. It is still the same relationship between sheep and shepherd. So he said, I shall not want for this relationship. And he's saying, I shall not want for his companionship. That no matter what comes, he knows that his shepherd is with him and for him. That his shepherd will be his companion in the heat of the day, in the cool of the night. He, he will be his companion when there's trouble and when there's good times. He will be his companion when there's plenty of grass, when there's no grass. He will be his companion when there's good, clear, cool water. When there's no water, he will be his companion day in and day out. But he goes on, I believe, to imply here that I shall not want for his provision. That that shepherd will provide for him. That the shepherd will do the best he can for him. That shepherd will lead the sheep uphill and downhill. The shepherd will lead the sheep through valleys and over mountains. The shepherd will lead the sheep to try to find the best grazing possible. To try to find the best drink water possible. That he is going to provide for him according to his ability. He will be there to take care of him. And I believe he's talking about his protection. And we'll get into more of this as we go through this, this chapter. Uh, of how that the shepherd protected his sheep. The sheep, they were his livelihood. If he didn't have good, healthy sheep. If they didn't have good, healthy wool. Then those sheep would not benefit him. And if it came down to the point of needing to slaughter one for meat, that, that needed to be a good, strong, healthy sheep to get good meat from also. So he, he is saying here that, that my shepherd values me. He's going to watch over me. He's going to take care of me because of what I mean to him. What a picture. Just in verse 1 of the Lord, the strong one, the self-existent one, our master. What, what a picture of him that, that we can know him personally. That 
we can trust Him completely, that we can love Him openly, and to understand that we don't have to worry about our relationship to Him. He is not going to sever that relationship. We may run away from Him for a while, but that relationship is going to remain. We're not going to want for His companionship. He's going to be our companion and walk with us and talk with us and watch over us. Uh, he, he's going to provide for us. It may not be what we want when we want it, but he's going to provide for us in the way that he sees fit and knows best, and, and he's going to watch over us to protect us. All of us could tell of times that God has protected us, I'm sure. I remember as a uh, 17, 18-year-old, I had this powder blue Volkswagen Beetle. 1969 anybody else ever own a volkswagen beetle other than me and, and there were a bunch of us in that beetle it's surprising how many people you can get into a beetle if you really want to and we were out doing our sunday afternoon cruising I, anybody here ever do any cruising you know you didn't go anywhere but you went everywhere just round and around and around and around and around and around well we were in Pageland, and I was driving that little blue Volkswagen. I don't remember who was with me, but the, the light changed, and as I should have been going through that intersection, because I had the green light, there's a vehicle that ran the red light from the other direction, running 40, 50 miles an hour. If I'd have been a half second, just a half second quicker, y'all probably would have never met me because that Volkswagen would have been totaled. But God protected me by letting me be just a half second slower starting off when the light changed. And you could all tell stories of how that God has protected you and how he has been there for you. In modern American society, we tend to think we are really smart, right? After all, most of us are more educated than our forefathers. I was blessed to be a college graduate. I had one brother who graduated college. My two sisters and my other brother never went to college. My dad made it to, I think, ninth grade. Mom made it through, like, third grade. Their parents had very little schooling. I, I mean, in, in our family tree, there's not been a lot of education other than elementary and junior high. And, and, and the, the younger crop, they've, they've all pretty much gone through high school, but that's been it. But we're living in the most educated society that's ever been. And, and so we, we tend to think we're really smart because we, we've been educated. Right? We, we've been to university. We've been to college. We got that degree. We, we know something. And the younger generations, well, they, they're all growing up with all of the modern technology. When we were growing up, most of us, there was no modern technology. I remember when we got a telephone, but it was a party line telephone. Y'all remember those? Yeah. I remember when we got running water in the house. Before then, you went out and drew the water in a bucket and ran in the house with it. And, and then we, we actually had a sink in the house where you could get cold water from. That was, we were moving up. 
But the younger generations but, but behind us, they have grown up with all of this technology. And, man, they think they are super smart because of all of it. And, and you know, by the use of technology, we can do a whole lot. I mean, with this cell phone that I've got here, this, this little gadget, I can control my smoker at the house from here. I, I can change our heating and air at the house from here. I, I can change from heat to cool to cool to heat. I can adjust the thermostat to whatever I want it to be. But with this technology, uh, I, I, I can FaceTime with my kids in Turkey or in Florida. Uh, I, I can do multiple texts to everybody at one time. I mean, with this technology, I can do so much. And there's even apps you can get. You know, there's an app for that. Whatever it is, there's an app for that. You can download language apps that you can go to a foreign country that you do not speak that language at all. But you can put it into that language and you can speak and then it will translate what you said into their language. And as they speak, it will translate what they said back to you in, in your language. And, and, and it will translate it on the screen and you can communicate even though you don't know their language. Now, isn't that mind-boggling? So, so this technology, I mean, we, we can use it to do complex problems. Oh, my gracious, you can put one problem into a computer that would take a half a blackboard back in the day to work, press a button, and there it is. So we think we are really, really smart. We think we have a right. Well, sadly, believers often fall into the same trap. And here's why we often fall into the same trap. We, we think we're so smart even in spiritual matters because today we have access to untold number of resources. Sharon shared with me the, the Bible Hub app the, the other Sunday where the, you can access practically anything. And I've got a half a dozen other Bible apps that you can access anything. We, we all know about podcasts. You can listen to preachers from yesteryear that were recorded on old real tapes that's been uh, been uh, converted over into modern-day podcasts. You, you can go on YouTube and you can pull up videos of the old preachers and watch them and listen to them. That There are untold number of Bible lessons that you can find online. I mean, you can find a Bible lesson on anything that you want from Genesis through Revelation you can go online and, and get the, the meaning of every word if you want to. I mean, we can do it. And that's great. But sometimes we become spiritually dumb because we've relied so on technology and not relied upon the Holy Spirit of God. Now, make use of all technology whatever it may be. Make use of it for God's glory. But, but understand, when everything is said and done, as a believer, no matter how many degrees I have, as a believer, no matter what resources I have access to as far as teaching and preaching, studying, as a believer, no matter how much of this I combine together, when everything is said and done, I'm still simply a sheep. I'm still just a dumb, defenseless sheep. Y'all don't like to be called dumb, I know. 
I don't like to be called dumb either. But when it comes to the way that we live, so often we are dumb in what we say, what we do, and how we respond. So whenever we get to thinking too highly of ourselves about everything we've accomplished and everything that we've learned and earned and everything that we can do, just remember Psalm 23 is saying we're just his sheep. And without him as our shepherd, we won't survive. We won't make it. The world we're living in, it will eat you alive now. It, it will tear you apart. We better not trust in our own abilities. We better trust in the great shepherd and allow him to be over us. The psalmist said, the, a definite article, the, not just any shepherd, the, definite article, the shepherd, the Lord, is my shepherd. And because of that, I shall not want. May God write this in our hearts about the great shepherd. And may we live accordingly. Bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment.